0: Ladies, and welcome to the AmazingBible.Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Well, today, ladies, we begin to see the sword upon David's family as it begins to crumble apart. We are looking at 2 Samuel chapters 13 through 21 today. It seems that David's oldest son, Amon, loves, loves, loves one of David's daughters from another mother. Her name is Tamar. It's killing him that he can't have her. So a friend of Amon devises a plan and Amon pretends to be sick. asks asking David if Tamar can come and cook for him. She does. And while there, he takes Tamar. Then when the deed is done, verse 15 says that he hated her exceedingly and his hatred of her was stronger than his love for her. He kicked her out of the house and locked the door. Tamar ripped off her sleeves, which was a sign of being the king's virgin daughter, and she put ashes on her head as a sign of mourning. She laid her hand on her head and she went to her brother Absalom's home. Absalom was the third in the line of King David. He had her live with him and told her not to say anything. But verse 21 says, but when King David heard of all of these things, he was very angry. Yet he did nothing. And it seems to be because of David's previous sin. What could he say? Two full years later, Absalom planned a feast and asked King David for all the family to come. King David declined himself, but he allowed his sons to go. When Amnon was merry with much wine, Absalom had his servants kill Amnon for raping his sister. The other brothers escaped. At first, David got word that Absalom had killed all of the brothers, but then he realized it was just the oldest Amnon and he knew why. Absalom fled to Talmai to the king of Gesher and he stayed there for three years. And David mourned for his son every day and he longed to go and get Absalom. But once again, King David did nothing. Now Joab noticed that the king's heart was toward Absalom. So he hired a woman to come to the king with a story of the Avenger of Blood and her family. And she pleaded for the king to save her son. The king told her, as long as I live, not one hair of your son's head will fall to the ground. And then the woman asked the king, then why have you banished Absalom from the kingdom? She reminded the king that God plans ways so that the banished ones may not be cast out from him. The king realized that it was Joab that sent her and gave her the words to say, The king then told Joab that he would allow Absalom to come back. Joab fell on his face before the king in thanksgiving, for he had found favor in King David's eyes. Joab got Absalom and brought him back, but the king would not see him face to face. And then in verse 25, we find out that Absalom is quite handsome from head to toe, and he would cut off his hair once a year, and it weighed 200 shekels. Absalom had three sons and one daughter named Tamar, and she was beautiful. He lived in Jerusalem for two years without seeing his father's face, and he had had enough. So he sent for Joab, and Joab wouldn't come. So he sets fire to Joab's field. And boy, did Joab show up then. He said, bring me to my father. So Joab spoke to the king and brought Absalom to him. Absalom fell before the king face to the ground, and the king kissed Absalom. Then Absalom began to devise a plan to become more loved than King David. He would stand at the gate of Jerusalem and greet people, and he told the people what they wanted to hear. Absalom asked to go to Hebron, and King King David said, go. He then told people, when you hear the trumpets, yell, Absalom is king. Absalom also made sure that he had one of David's most trusted counselors on his side in order to give him guidance. A messenger came and informed King David, so the king, his servants, and all his household, except for ten concubines to keep the house, all fled out of Jerusalem. Verse 23 says that while all the country was weeping with a loud voice, all the people passed over. The king passed over the brook Kidron toward the way of the wilderness. Zadok the priest and Abiathar. And all the Levites tried to come with the Ark of the Covenant, but David had told them to return, and Zadok's two sons would be informants for King David. David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went, and his head was covered. He walked barefoot. As David approached the summit where David worshipped God, one of his counselors came up, Hushai. David asked him to go back to Jerusalem so that he could hinder the counsel of Ahithophel and he could report to the priests what had happened. So Hushai, David's friend, went back to Jerusalem. When David had passed the summit, Ziba, Mephibosheth's servant, brought David food and saddled donkeys. He said Mephibosheth didn't come because he was hoping for the kingdom himself. So David gave to Ziba all that was King Saul's. As David continued, a relative of Saul's cursed David. The king's men wanted to kill him, but David said, no, perhaps God wanted him to do it. While Absalom enters Jerusalem, at Ahithophel's advice, he sends Absalom to the roof of the palace, and they pitch a tent so all Israel can see, and he goes into his father's concubines. This was a direct consequence of David's sin with Bathsheba. Next, Ahithophel advised Absalom to immediately go after King David and kill him. Hushai's advice was also sought and he said, no, not yet. Get organized first. Absalom took Hushai's advice. So when Ahithophel realized he was not going to be listened to, he went home, put his affairs in order and killed himself. Hushai sent word to King David through Zadok's sons, telling them to move through the plains of the wilderness and to not stay there overnight. The messengers were spotted, and an unnamed woman hid them in a well until it was safe. While David was on the run on the east side of the Jordan River, children of Ammon and Lodabar, a Gileite came. They all brought provisions for David and the people. David numbered the people, set up captains, put them in three groups, which were led by Joab, Abishai his brother, and Atai the Gittite. David was willing to go over and fight with the people, but they said no, he was too valuable to lose. King David gave the captains charge to deal gently for his sake with the young man Absalom. The battle took place in the woods of Ephraim. David's side was winning over Israel and Absalom. Verse 8 said the woods devoured more people that day than the sword. Absalom himself had ridden a mule under a great oak, and his head got caught, and he was suspended between heaven and earth, and the mule ran away. One of David's men saw it and told Joab he didn't want to touch Absalom because of King David's words. Joab did not let Absalom live. It says he took three darts in his hand and stabbed them through the heart of Absalom. And Joab's armor bearer slew and killed him. Joab blew the trumpet and stopped the people from fighting. They buried Absalom. Zadok's son wanted to go and share the news with King David, but Joab did not want him to be the one to give King David the news that his son was dead. So he sent Cushai. He kept pleading and pleading. And so even though Joab had sent Cushai, he allowed Zadok's son to go to. Cushai was the one to tell King David that his son was dead. When King David heard it, he was moved. He went up to his chamber. He wept and he said, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would God I had died for you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. The day of victory turned into mourning because of how the king responded. Then Joab went into the king and basically said, Stop it. You disgrace all the people that fought for you and all the people that have run away with you. You would have rather had all of us die and Absalom live. If you don't go out and support the people, there will be an even greater revolt. So David arose and he sat in the gate and all the people came before the king. In an attempt to heal the nation, plus I'm sure David was not very happy with Joab, he makes the Israel commander Amasa his commander in place of Joab. David was asked to come back, so many people came and helped them cross over the Jordan River. People blessed King David. There was still a bit of division between Judah and the ten tribes of Israel. Well, there was a man of Belial, a good-for-nothing man named Sheba, and he blew a trumpet and said, We have no part in David, neither do we have an inheritance in the son of Jesse, and every man to his own tent, O Israel. So Judah stayed with David, and everyone else followed Sheba. Now King David took the ten concubines that were with Absalom and brought them in. But they were not with King David again, and they were left as widows until they died. Then David told Amasa, his new commander, to assemble the men of Judah within three days and be present. Amasa was late. So David said to Abishai, Joab's brother, and sent the men after Sheba before he does more harm than Absalom. So they pursued, and Amasa joined them. When Joab greeted him, he took a hidden sword and killed him in the fifth rib. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued after Sheba. They found him in a walled city of Abel. The mighty men were planning on throwing the wall down, but then cried out a wise woman out of the city and called for Joab to come and talk. She asked, why were they going to destroy a city and a mother of Israel and and an inheritance of the Lord? And Joab said his desire is not to swallow up or destroy anything. They came for Sheba. The woman said, you will have his head by sundown. So the wise woman talked to the city people and they cut off Sheba's head and tossed it over the wall out to Joab. And Joab blew a trumpet and returned to Jerusalem to the king. Joab then was again over all the host of Israel. Usually the word host means army, so all of the armies of Israel Joab was over. There were other officials listed, and Shiva was scribe, and Zadok and Abathar were priests, and one of these three men could have written 2 Samuel. In chapter 21, we see a three-year famine in the land, and verse 1 said that David inquired of the Lord again, this is what made David so great. God revealed that it was because of Saul's sin against the Gibeonites, who were remnants of the Amorites, that is why there was a famine. David then asked them what could he do to make atonement for that sin? They asked for seven of Saul's descendants so that they may be hanged. The king agreed, but he spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, because of the Lord's oath between David and Jonathan. He gave them two sons and five grandsons of Saul, and they were put to death. Saul's concubine, who had two of those sons, mourned greatly, and she made sure that no bird or beast was able to get to the bodies that were hung. It was told King David what she was doing. So King David went to Jabesh Gilead and got the bones of Saul and Jonathan. And then he gathered the bones of the seven men that were hung. And he buried all of them in the country of Benjamin in Zerah in the tomb of Saul's father. And after that, God provided for the land chapter 21 ends with four other Philistine giants and battles. The first battle David became faint so Abishai killed the giant. The men then told David to not come with them to battle anymore because they feared that if David died it would quench the light of Israel. Giant number two and the battle was slain by Sebekai the Hushite. In battle number three, Goliath's brother was slain by Elhana, a man from Bethlehem, and the fourth giant had six fingers and six toes on each side. He defied Israel, and Jonathan, David's nephew, slew him. These four fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. There are a few things I see in this story. The first is that when it comes to David's family, it is messed up and David does not seem to live in truth about who his sons were and he seemed to be unable to discipline them and this brings heartache. Another thing I see are David's friends who rallied with him. Joab is also his friend. I mean, Joab knows King David's secret and yet their relationship is full of ups and downs. Joab knew that if Absalom was still alive, he would bring constant grief to David and the kingdom, and yet King David could not make the hard decisions, yet it is Joab's successes that made King David succeed. I just realize how complex life is, even for King David, the man who had it all. The last thing I noticed in this story is that when King David and his crew ran for their lives in 2 Samuel chapter 15 verse 23, it says, King David passed over the brook Kidron toward the way of the wilderness. And then in verse 30, and David went up to the ascent of the Mount of Olives and wept as he went. And then verse 32, it says, when he got to the top of the mount, that he worshiped God. There is someone else who crossed the Kidron Valley, Jesus. It tells us that in John chapter 18, verse 1, right before he died. Then in Luke 22, verses 39 through 44, it says that Jesus went, as he so often did, to the Mount of Olives, and he told his disciples to pray that they don't fall into temptation. It was here that Jesus prayed for this cup to be removed, and it was here that he prayed so hard that sweat drops of blood came. It was here that Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done, and it was here where Jesus said, Judas, are you betraying me with a kiss? Jesus knows sorrow, and he knows family issues. Even his own brothers thought he was crazy. Jesus had friends who rallied around him until he was arrested and then they all scattered. Jesus, the perfect son of man and the perfect son of God, was captured on that mountain, unlike King David, and he was willingly beaten, slapped, spit upon, and eventually he hung on a tree. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he, God, has made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Back in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, Jesus said, Therefore the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself." I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received of my Father. Jesus willingly laid down his life for you so that you can rise up with him and be a part of the family of God. Ladies, no one has ever loved me like that. And you are loved with that same love. That everlasting love of the man, the God, who was willing to lay down his life for his friends. So ladies, if you hear his voice today, is he calling you, letting you know how much he loves you today? Let's not harden our hearts to the one that loves us more than anyone else. He wants you to be a part of his family. Let's be women who obey and say yes to Jesus, and enter into the family of God. Thanks so much for listening, and may the Lord richly bless you today.